Who's ready for Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> Who likes Christmas shopping? Yeah. <laughs> oh. The the shopping's fun, the crowds are not, but it is it was it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. So. Oh. Well, I wanted to start off today by asking a question. What is our view of Jesus? Or maybe even the culture's view of Jesus. It's okay, you can answer if you want to. <laughs> you want to go, we're done. <laughs> Watch your head, man. I was in a line at Barnes and Nobles, which which does exist for a reason, Bryce. <laughs> and there's the the mystery origin of Christianity, right? And who is Jesus? You know, and it was National Geographic, so I knew I knew what it was going to say. I, I've heard that rendition before. You know, our our view of Jesus. You know, he maybe he's a good friend. Uh, you know, Jesus is my homeboy. That was an old shirt back in the day. Maybe they still exist. I, I don't know. Um, you know, we view him as a friend of sinners. We view him as the head of the body. And we all have a picture in mind when we think about Jesus. Or our culture does. Maybe, you know, this, this mystery man that we don't really know. You know, I think there's still a few French people out there that say, oh, he didn't exist. But they, they you know, there's one or two of them. But most, most scholarly historians, whether they're atheistic, agnostic, or Christian, say, hey, Jesus existed. But, you know, our, our view of him through, through different pictures, uh, you know, we see, you know, a good friend of mine still might have this picture. He had a picture of Jesus in a white robe, a bearded guy, and he was carrying a sheep on his back. You know, that's a picture of the rescuer. You know, Jesus is our rescue. You know, uh, as I already mentioned, but Madonna actually wore this shirt. It was Jesus is my homeboy uh, shirt. Uh, there's the hippie Jesus, you know, that's kind of doing the little, I don't even know what this is called. <laughs> Here's looking at you, right? I think goes goes along with that. You know, these uh, there's the New Age version of Jesus. Uh, he comes to bring enlightenment to humanity with uh, special knowledge, quote-unquote. You know, we all have a view of Jesus. And we all need to, to deal with you know, our view and the culture's views of Jesus. And I, I think it's a, a good thing to kind of open that up to uh, you know, the Gospel of John again. You know, is, you know, chapter 2, I really feel, uh, challenges our views upon the Lord of, you know, who, who is he? You know, is he this gentle and lowly? Yeah, he is. You know, is he this humble and meek? Yeah. Is he the, the homeboy or the hippie? Yeah, you know, those are cultural views. Well, here in chapter 2, we, we see Jesus as someone that interacts with the common man of his day. Uh, interacts with them at a wedding. And then uh, we see later, the rest of chapter 2 at the temple, uh, how he interacts with those that misuse uh, his father's house. Uh, today we see you know, pictures of Jesus in white robe, bearded guy, playing with children, uh, a man who comes to challenge humanity 
who fought for humanity and coming to rescue humanity. Uh, we see him at a celebration today, at a feast for a wedding. Uh, today we'll also see a, a problem at that wedding. Uh, we hear of the commands, we hear the commands of Jesus, and then we see that it is all for his glory. Uh, so let's, uh, let's pray. Uh, Father God, we, we thank you for today. Thank you uh, that we can, we can sing. We can sing to you. We can sing to come and adore you, to see who you are, to see the manifestations of, of angels and of glory, and even what we're going to look at in John chapter 2 of, of just manifestations of your glory. And uh, Father, we just uh, pray for this time in your word that you would you would pierce us through, that you would teach us, help us grow, you know, break, break down some of those, you know, cultural images of Jesus, but build up the, the real Jesus of who he is and how he interacts with us. And thank you so much for your son, Lord, the rescuer come uh, to redeem humanity. We just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, please turn in your Bibles with me to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 2. <coughs> Excuse me. And we'll... Uh, Start verses uh, 1 through 4. Uh, the, the text starts with this. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Yeah, as we come back into the Gospel of John, we, we see that Jesus has, has gone to Galilee as he was, he was heading to Galilee in chapter 1 um, because there was a wedding, a wedding that his mother was at and he was invited to along with his followers, his learners, his disciples. Uh, as the wedding was, was going on, the, the wine ran out. You know, this isn't good for any party, right? You, you need food and drink. So the, the mother of Jesus goes to her son and tells him there's no more wine. Well, Jesus answers that it is not yet his, his time and asking, well, what does this have to do with me? You know, saying, you know, his hour had not yet come. Kind of like, you know, mom, hey, I'm not supposed to show myself to people yet, you know, to humanity yet. Jesus was here not to show himself to all of who he was, not, not yet. He was just there for the celebration, nothing else. The first thing that stood out to me here is, you know, is, is that, that speech, uh, the, the word woman. I, you know, in reading that, you're like, oh, man, you can't talk like that. But it's, it's uh, you know, it's not derogatory or disrespectful. You know, you know the text needs the information of, of context. That, you know, 
the second thing that stood out was wine. You know, wine is this drink of celebration. You know, I, I don't think of this as a, as a drunken scene, but as a scene of celebration. And thirdly, our view of Jesus. You know, here he is at a, at a party, at a get-together with people drinking. Can he do that? Right? It's almost a question that came to mind. It's like, uh, you know, can Jesus be invited to parties? You know, and then, you know, comes that, you know, how do we view Jesus? You know, with the picture clearly seen, actually, by the people that are against Jesus. Uh, go ahead and turn with me in Matthew uh, chapter 11. Uh, we see it clearly when uh, we hear the words of people that are against Jesus in his time. Uh, chapter 11, verse 19. <clears throat> uh, this is said against the Son of Man. Uh, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by our deeds. Yeah, the Son of Man was associated with excuse me, with the lowly, with the glutton and the drunkard. You know, this may right here, this scene actually might have been the start of it, but we see it throughout the Gospels. The Pharisees are, are grumbling against Jesus because he received sinners and sat down and ate with them. You know, in, in Middle Eastern culture, even today, I don't, I don't feel like it's much of the West uh, but it's the cultural context of who we eat with is who we associate with. Uh, today more it's said, you know, who we associate with, who our friends are is, you know, we, we eat with them, right? You know, that's our, our context. But, you know, we, in the East, it was you ate with the people that you associated with. So that is a main charge against Jesus that might have started here. You know, the church can and should not be like that. And we are to show no partiality. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to James, the book of James, chapter 2. Oh, no, I did it. I was going to get there. I did. It's that tricky one, right? <laughs> Uh, James chapter 2, you know, we're not to show any partiality. Now we'll read verses 1 through 8. James writes this. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in your Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothes, clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to one who wears the fine clothes and says, say, you sit here in the good place, while you, you say to the poor man, you stand over there or you sit at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith? and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? 
Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. As the body, as the body of Christ, we're not to show partiality to the rich or the poor. We are the same, sinful yet savable and the same in Christ. That we would not judge each other on clothing or the things of the world, but that we would fulfill the, the royal law. I like, I like that, the royal law and love our neighbors as ourself. Now, Jesus didn't live in a vacuum, but interacted and loved and celebrated with the people of his day. And he even helps them when they run out of wine. Uh, the text goes on in John chapter 2 uh, through 5 and 8, saying this. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feasts. feast. So they took it. The mother, the Mary of Jesus here, knowing that there is something very, very different about her son, tells the servants to, to listen. To listen to my son. Why? Well, what, what she had seen throughout her life and informed her that you know, her, her son was not just her son. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to Luke Chapter 1. We didn't read this part yet, so I'm not copying and pasting from Sunday school. <laughs> uh, but verses 32 and 33, this is what the angel says to Mary. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. You know, Mary was told this at the birth announcement, that her son would be great, called the son of the most high, that the throne of David would go to him, and that of his kingdom, there would be no end. That's not just a very different person, right? It's God, God in the flesh. God come to this world. Now she was in that house when the Magi came two years later after his birth to give gifts. She was there when the shepherds came to see a baby boy and she placed it in her heart, treasuring it and pondering it. So with this, she tells the servants to listen to her son. You know, the text goes on saying that there were these six stone jars, you know, huge guys, right? You know, 20, 30 gallon jugs or I don't know, that thing's big. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's not just like a pitcher, right? It's, it's 20 or 30 gallons. You know, and these were at the place that they were having the wedding. And these jars were part of that Jewish, the Jewish rites of purification, as we see today, as in, you know, back then the Jewish culture was about being cleansed and washed. Now, this is a tradition, in fact, that Jesus faced head on in Matthew uh, chapter 15, if you want to turn there with me in your Bibles. 
uh, it says this in verses 1 through 6. And then the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem, saying, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God. He not need honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. And what some commentaries say here is Jesus is pointing at them and saying, your, your treasure trove, your savings account, you gave it to the temple so you don't have to help your father or mother. So they made void the very commandments that they needed to care for their parents and they need to honor them. You know, the Pharisees and the scribes beef with Jesus here is that he broke tradition by not washing their hands traditionally. Jesus tells them that they had used tradition, bless you, uh, that they had used tradition to void the very commands of God. So we see that even in the leadership of the first century Jewish tradition and Jesus disagree and uh, will lock heads time and time throughout the Gospels. And, you know, we get a sense of this here in John that, you know, with these three huge jars, we see, you know, Jesus telling the servants to fill these up. So the servants just, you know, they did just that. They filled them up to the brim. And then Jesus tells them to take it, to take that, that water to the master of the feast. So uh, Jesus tells them to do this or that and then take, take it to the boss, take it to the man running the feast. Yeah, I love this because as I was reading this, it's a very clear commands, right? You know, do this, do that. You know, that's, that's it. He spoke clearly. You know, our God's commands are not unclear. Not to say that there aren't parts of Scripture that are, you know, they're, they're hard to understand. They're complicated and they need to be thought over and discussed. But overall, God's commands are clear, right? You know, and we only need to listen to him to do this, to do that, and to serve him. To be a willing servant is a huge part of that task. You know, each of our tasks, whatever we have in life before us, that which you know, God has called us to do, you know, some are easy, some are hard. Hey, fill a jar. Hey, love this person. Hey, do this, do that. Talk to that person. You know, God is calling us because we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus to walk in good works that he has laid out beforehand. You know, and that's Ephesians 2.10. <clears throat> so we come and we see, you know, the commands. We see the, the clear word of God showing us, telling us what to do in this life. You know, first and foremost, today we, need to, we need to know the word, right? We need to be in the word, be informed, hear the clear commands to believe, to receive, to affirm this, to confess that, to be transformed, to bear one another's burdens, to love, you know, etc. You know, go on and on right there, right? But, and then 
you know, as we go on, we work on those hard parts, right? We work on those throughout life. The text in uh, the Gospel of John goes on saying this in verses 9 through 12. And then the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. And when people had drunken freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did in, at Cana in Galilee and manifest his glory. And his disciples believed him. And after this, he went down to Capernaum, Capricum, sorry, and with his mother and his brothers and his disciples. And they stayed there for a few days. And so the servants you know, listened to Jesus. They, they took the water to the master of the feast and the master of the feast tasted that. Now we don't know when exactly it became wine. You know, my expect, you know, as he's drinking it, turned, I don't know. I don't know what my view on that is. I was just like, when did it become wine? Um, but you know, it, it had become wine and the master of the feast, you know, tasted it and didn't know where it had come from as the servants did. So the master of the feast calls the bridegroom over you know, saying no one else does this. This is, you know, the master of the feast would be hired by different families and everything. So he kind of, he knew the routine. He knew, hey, you put out the good stuff, people have a little bit, and then you bring out the poor. You know, no one, no one brings out the good wine after the poor wine. What are you, what are you doing? You know, but, you know, this is what people did. You know, they, they serve some good wine. Uh, that's, you know, that's what, you, that's what they did, and then they changed it out. Well, why? Well, wine costs money. Expensive wine costs more money than, than cheap wine. So it's, hey, you know, even today, you know, at a party. But, you know, he went to praise the bridegroom because he had brought out the good now. You know, the wine that they had ran out of was poor, for this wine was good. You know, this, this miracle wasn't a, a public miracle, a public healing. You know, few knew about it. But it was the first sign of the Lord Jesus that he had changed water into wine. This was a, a manifestation of his glory. You know, manifestation is a, an event, an action, or even an object that clearly shows or embodies something. That it, it shows what it is it's sure you know john is pointing us that way throughout his gospel that jesus is the word who was with god and who is god come to show us god for he is god uh, please turn in your bibles with me just uh yeah to john chapter one but this is what john has been saying at the beginning the beginning of his gospel in verse 14 of John chapter 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And the word became flesh. That is the reason of the season we're coming into. 
You know, we get to you know, put up our, our trees and celebrate Christmas because Christ has come. You know, this, God the Son came into the world. He took on flesh. That is called the incarnation, which means that the deity had, has taken on flesh. You know, God dwelt among man and they saw his glory. It was made manifest to them. You know, John saw it. Others saw it. John says this down in verse 18 of chapter 1. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. You know, this is the seen God. Jesus is the seen God at the Father's side who comes to make the unseen seen. He shows us. You know, this manifestation took place <coughs> and his followers believed in him. You know, his followers had already you know, started coming alongside of a rabbi, but now they're seeing even more, seeing that he is the Christ. And they saw that in chapter 1, 2. You know, his learners believed in him because of this wonder. You know, after this took place, Jesus traveled with his mother, his brothers, and his followers. So we see that the family of Jesus, in fact, was at this wedding, right? You know, they, they might have saw part of this. They might have been, you know, seated by Jesus. You know, the mother of Jesus was, you know, knowledgeable of what had taken place earlier in life. But only the followers of Jesus believed. You know, Jesus' family didn't believe in him yet, you know, we know of his brothers for sure did not believe in him. But they saw this wonder. They saw the glory of Jesus manifested. You know, yes, they would, they would come to believe that he was the Christ, but not yet. You know, can, this whole brought me a question. Is how, can, how can people see the wonder or the manifestations of God and come away not believing you know, Paul, Paul deals with that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you want to turn there with me in your Bibles. But Paul states this in verses 20 through 25. Where is the one that it, who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made them foolish? made foolish the wisdom of the world. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For the Jews demand a sign and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called both Greek, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You know, in life, we're all looking at the wrong things. That's what Paul's saying here. The, the Jews look for a sign, the Greeks look 
for wisdom, but the church is preaching Christ crucified, which is a stumbling block. And I feel like even the health and wealth, the, the name it and claim it, can't preach a crucified Savior because they promise the best life now. You know, the, the Western world very much is still about wisdom. Well, what can we wisely discern? But I think the Western world's lost in that because our wisdom or our knowledge is not in the fear of the Lord, but rather is making men into gods. The God of the Bible shows his power in the Savior, in Christ crucified. This is the wisdom of God, though it seem like folly to man, because it has to do with choice of who we place our faith in. The writers of Hebrews says it like this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it people of old received their condemnation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. Faith is trusting. Trusting in hope, trusting in a conviction of things not seen. And we were not there, so we trust eyewitnesses throughout history. We put trust in them for any event or action throughout history. You know, not just for Jesus, but from Caesar to Washington. You know, you know, for the for the faith we place in Jesus, it's different though. It's not just an intellectual thing you know i believe he existed or exists you know that that counts for for other others throughout history as well but our faith in jesus is about reliance reliance upon him his character his love his grace his mercy reliance upon his crucifixion and resurrection for our salvation you the author of hebrews says this and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You know, this is what pleases God. Our faith, our, our trusting in his son, our, our resting and work upon the cross. Without reliance upon the fact that he exists, upon his character, his promise, and his, his work, it is in, impossible to please him, it's impossible to have a relationship and to even draw near to him. And we must first know that he does exist and he does reward those that seek him. Now this is, this is who God is. He is the God who says, draw near to me as he draws near to humanity. And that's the whole of why, why Jesus came, why, why Christmas matters. It's the whole story of the Bible, of God reaching down to humanity saying, come near. You know, today we have seen that a, a problem has been you know, dealt with clearly with the commands of the Lord. And in it, we see the manifestation of the glory of Jesus. You know, this, this means that even in our day today, our, our problems aren't too big for God. You know, we need to realize that we cannot carry everything. We need to learn how to ask for help from others and from the Almighty. 
Now, it, it means this, we can and should follow the clear commands of the Lord. Yeah, the, we might not understand everything in this life, and that's okay. You know, we can ask someone. We can, as the gathered body, reason together about those things, and we can grow on this journey together. And lastly, it means that we can see Jesus for who he is. You know, there is no need to doubt who he is. Everything points to this man, this baby born, the Savior come to die. So how do we apply this to the day? And do we see Jesus as the friend of sinners? Do we view him as that shepherd gone out to find that lost sheep? And as, as we view him like that, does that affect us? Does that change us? And do we hang out with sinners to, to bring them to him? Or do we just judge sinners and wait for wrath to fall on them? With James and John dealt with that situation, right? They, they yeah, do want us to call down fire. You know, the, the followers of Jesus struggle with that, even in the Gospels. You know, that we would speak to all about the love of our Lord. For the glory of God is manifest in Jesus and is even seen at a wedding party. And with that, there's not a license to be sinful and hanging out with sinners, but it is a time to listen to the clear commands of Jesus and being about that soul, about loving our fellow man by preaching, teaching, and speaking to them about the wisdom of God found in Christ crucified for all of us. You know, at the end of this, I, I just really wanted to talk to anybody that, that doubts Doubts if there's a God. Doubts if we can trust his promises, his character, his work upon the cross. And I'd like to point out to one of my favorite verses. I think I read it like more than enough, but I, I always enjoy this verse from Isaiah. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be whiter, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Now the God of the Bible is not afraid of any of our doubts or questions we may have. In fact, he welcomes them. He says, come now, right? Make it a front burner issue. Think upon it. You know, when I first started my journey to Christ, I, as I was thinking on this, I thought about an old notebook. It's a nice red one with the spirals that left-handers enjoy immensely. <laughs> you know, the, the, we live in a right-hand world. Um, but, uh, that's another point. Um, but I filled that thing out. Week by week, had all my different questions, and me and a mentor sat down and answered all of those throughout time. You know, if you have questions, we're here for you. Bring us those questions. You know, nowadays, there's, there's great websites. Uh, gotquestions.org is one of them. A new one that I found is whatwouldyousay.org. And that's actually founded by the Colson Center, and they're short little videos. So everyone likes the short little five-minute videos, right? Get it done. Get it out of the way. <laughs> we're, we're a little busy. But you know, on any different subject, you can look, look that up and 
and see, see what would you say you know, in different conversations? What, what does the Bible say? You know, in the long run, though, of the truth of it is that even after I got done with that book, that notebook, I still had questions even after the notebook was filled up. And we all have questions and doubts and issues that we don't know what the Bible says upon them. But that's why we need to know the scripture. That's why we need to be together as a body, as a gathered local community that meets, that sings, that encourages, that preaches the word of God so that together, week by week, day by day, in this life together, we can be equipped for ministry. Right? That's the, the model of the church together. We can have ministry, mission, and the mandate before us to point all to the Lord Jesus because he is the son of the Most High. Well, let's uh, end in a word of prayer. Father God, we, we thank you for today. Thank you for everything that you have given us, Lord. Father, thank you for, for the gospel of John. Thank you for uh, just uh, your word. And just uh, the truth that you tell us to come now. Come reason. And Lord, uh, through your son, you can make us, make us as white as snow that you can wash away every wrong and cleanse us. And Lord, uh, we, we look forward to the Supper of the Lamb, where we can celebrate with you that it will be even a, a grander celebration than this, than this wedding. We uh, anticipate building legacy here. We anticipate your coming and that we would, that we would live in that and that, that tension, that young or old, that we would build here for you, that we would be like Paul, who wanted to go and be with you, but also wanted to stay and encourage and equip and, and go forward, that we would press on, Lord, forgetting the past and moving forward for the glory of your resurrection. Lord, thank you for your work upon the cross, that we would rest in it, that we would tell others of it. Lord, I just pray that we would learn from your word, that we would be in your word this week, that it would pierce us through and change us and challenge us. And uh, we thank you for today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.